It's the first Prez Monday check-in. We'll have a chat, but not spill tea. Hey, it's the first Prez Monday check-in. We got the Bible and Greg and me. Hello, everyone, and welcome to yet another edition of the Monday-ish check-in. <laughs> I'm Damon Jensen-Heitman, one of the pastors, First Presbyterian Church, Hastings, Nebraska, joined by... Greg Allen Pickett, the other pastor of First Presbyterian Church, and grateful for uh, Damon's integrity by catching himself and referring to this as the Monday-ish check-in, because it's not quite Monday, and so no. we didn't feel like we could, with integrity, call this the Monday check-in this yeah. week. It's a goal, I guess. It's not even really a goal. It's just helpful when it's on Monday. Yeah. For all of I us, I think. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the Monday check-in, for those who may not know, is um, we take a look at the scriptures that we're going to use for the upcoming Sunday at First Pres Hastings and discuss them, type the theme, do a little mini Bible study, take a look at the themes, um, ask questions of the text, sometimes allow the text to ask questions of us. And then following that, we switch gears and we talk about the life of the church. Uh, what's going on, what folks might want to be aware of, and um, all that good stuff. So, And oftentimes we start with a word of prayer, and I believe it to be my turn Indeed. to do that. So let's pray. Loving and gracious God, we thank you for your word, for it is a lamp unto our feet. As we gather in this way to study your word, I ask that your eyes and our hearts and our minds and our lives might be opened to your teachings and to your truth. In your gracious and holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. So this coming Sunday, according to the Revised Common Lectionary, is Trinity Sunday. Yeah, we've... So, Presbyterians, some are more liturgical and follow uh, the lectionary calendar and others don't. Uh, we do most of the time except in the summer. And so every time about this year, we end up with like three high holy days, if you will, right? Three in the Catholic tradition would be called feast days. We had Ascension Sunday, mm-hmm. Pentecost Sunday, mm-hmm. and then Trinity Sunday. Um, and I don't, does Trinity Sunday always follow Pentecost Sunday or does Trinity Sunday always follow the first Sunday of June? I don't, it would make sense to me if it just follows Pentecost Sunday, but I can ask the Google. I don't know that for sure. Of the three, it's the one that seems the most didactic Yes. to me <laughs> and the least kind of naturally occurring, if that makes sense. In Western Christianity, Trinity Sunday always falls on the first Sunday after Pentecost. Sure. I mean, that would make sense. If you're going to put it anywhere, that's the place to put it. According to calendarpedia.com, which is clearly... Calendarpedia.com. Like Wikipedia, Mm -hmm. but Calendarpedia... Or Wikipedia. (laughs) And it says Trinity Sunday is celebrated in all the Western liturgical churches, Mm -hmm. which includes Catholic, Anglican, Lutheran, Presbyterian, United Church of Christ, and Methodist. 
Would you consider the United Church of Christ a Western liturgical church? Um, I mean, yeah. Okay. That's, I wouldn't say it's certainly not anti-liturgical. Okay. It's interesting. I think a lot of UCC churches follow the... No. The liturgical year, mm-hmm. yeah. which, which then we in this study tie to the Revised Common Lectionary, which follows the liturgical year as well. Mm-hmm. And so here we are discussing Trinity yeah. Sunday. Yeah. And I mean, UCC churches have liturgy. Yeah. It could vary wildly from place to place, but right. it's not as prescribed. Well, even Presbyterians but, are going to have liturgy yeah. that varies a lot. Mm-hmm. We generally follow the same ordo or order of worship, but the liturgy can certainly vary. Mm-hmm. I draw from multiple sources when I'm writing liturgy, as yeah. do you. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. so for this coming Trinity Sunday, <laughs> there's two scripture readings right now. Yeah, the Revised the Common Lectionary gives us two readings this year, year A. Um, and Damon and I have determined the only reason they picked these two is because there are two passages in the New Testament that actually name the Trinitarian formula. Mm-hmm. And there's really no other reason why these are the two passages that were selected for this particular Sunday. Because they don't expound upon the Trinity at all. They don't tell us something about the Trinity. They don't give us insight into how, one of my favorite hymns, mm-hmm. the play of the Godhead, if you will. Mm-hmm. The interplay of the different mm-hmm. persons of the Trinity. It just, all it does is name the Trinity twice. Yeah. What I'm hearing you say is that these are duds. Not duds per se, but uh, not leading towards us thinking critically and preaching about the Trinity. Um, And you can speak specific experience to this because you led the Tuesday noon Bible study, Mm -hmm. read these two scriptures, and then ended up not talking about the Trinity hardly at all, right? Correct. Right. These, These scriptures don't lead your mind to immediately start thinking about the dance between Creator, Christ, and Holy Spirit. Not necessarily. But let's read them okay. and see what happens. <laughs> so the first comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 11 through 13. This is the very end of Paul. This is, these are the last verses in 2 Corinthians. And it reads something like this. Finally, brothers and sisters, farewell. Put things in order. Listen to my appeal. Agree with one another. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the saints greet you. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with all of you. That's how that goes. And then from the 28th chapter of the Gospel of Matthew... Uh, This is also the very end of the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, Verses 16 through 20. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. And that's how that reigns as well.
at least in English, by my mouth. That's how that reads. <laughs> uh, okay. Greg, what do you got? Well, if we want to like zoom in on the Trinity, we have uh, what we call the Trinitarian formula, uh, which is something that is required when we do a Christian baptism. Mm-hmm. Uh, baptizing in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. So it's naming the Trinity. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jesus commands this of his disciples in part of the Great Commission. So there's a Trinitarian formula for us to work with. And then Paul also provides a final blessing to the church in Corinth with a Trinitarian formula blessing, right? Except that he changes the order a little bit, right? So we've got the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that Jesus says, and Paul says, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. So we put Christ first, then God, then the Holy Spirit. Um, That's an interesting detail. And we, we noted this two months ago yeah. when we were looking at the creeds and confessions. Mm-hmm. That one of the creeds and confessions normally, like the Apostles' Creed, the Nicene Creed, normally follow the Trinitarian formula. They describe who we think God the Creator is. They describe who we think Jesus is. And they describe the work of the Holy Spirit. And then, um, was it the, I think it was the Barman Declaration was the first one to do it. It might have been 67. Used, it was 67. Used the order here in 2 Corinthians 13. The grace of the Lord Jesus. So it started with the work of Christ, then God the Creator, and then the Holy Spirit, reversing the order. So that's kind of interesting. I don't know that there's a sermon in there, but it's interesting. (laughs) It is interesting, I suppose, to know. Yeah, I I don't know what, if any, difference it makes. Um, I mean... Paul is writing to a community of folks who have gathered themselves really specifically around Jesus and who Jesus is. Yeah. Um, and so it would make sense, I think, in that context then to start with Jesus in the, in the formula because that's who they're most curious about. Potentially, maybe. And then he also ascribes a particular value, not value is not the right word, an attribute, right? The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit. So he's, he's, yeah. he's ascribing particular attributes to each person of the Trinity, mm-hmm. um, the, which sure. is interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, um, and in the Matthew passage, this Trinitarian language gets connected to the act of baptism, right? Baptizing them in the name of, but up, but up, but up, but up. Right. Um, one of the members of the noon Bible study noted that Jesus commands his, those who would be disciples to baptize folks. And Paul himself doesn't really seem all that interested in baptizing folks. Uh, There's at least one passage where Paul can't remember if he baptized someone or not, which either means 
he was baptizing so many people that he just, you know, I baptized a hundred people that day. I, certainly you could have been in the crowd. I don't quite remember. Or baptism just wasn't, a, he didn't think of it as a big deal, right? And if you think about the, the chronological order in which these writings were actually composed, mm-hmm. Paul's writings occur first right. in terms of actually being written down. Uh, the Gospel of Matthew is written a generation, at least, maybe two, after Paul's writings. Yeah. And so we might also be seeing a, a reflection of the increasing importance of the ritual of baptism within Christian communities. Yeah. Um, all valid points, mm-hmm. not particularly related, related to the Trinity. No. Uh, but interesting. I also... Uh, Other than that, the Trinitarian language gets tied to, to specifically to the act of baptism. To the act of baptism. And, and naming that. Yeah. And that baptism is then a way of showing a belonging to each of these aspects Of the Trinity. I baptize you in the name of the Father and Mm -hmm. of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. But I'm 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 actually particularly interested in the in the the next part of that and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you, and that's um, I've been reflecting on that part as I've been slowly thinking about what my sermon might look like on Sunday, Mm -hmm. Um, and the call that we have as disciples to to teach. In different ways. Yeah, what is that? Well, of course, you know, we have, we have a congregation full of folks who have worked in education. Mm-hmm. Uh, teachers and professors and folks who have been administrators and staff at Hastings College and at the, at the public schools. And so I think our brains automatically go to that, uh, that idea of teaching, to the, the formal education process of teaching. Sure. Um, I don't think that's what Jesus was necessarily getting at. Not to the exclusion of that, uh, but I think that that Jesus was thinking of teaching more, more broadly. Mm-hmm. It's interesting also that the phrase is uh, teach them to obey everything that I have commanded you. Um, a lot of Jesus' teachings weren't really commandments. Right. A lot of them were, they were stories and they were parables. Which all boil down to one commandment, right? Um, I don't know. I suppose maybe. I think most of his parables and stories point towards love of God and love of neighbor, which Jesus says is the greatest commandment. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Upon these two commandments hang all the law and prophets, right? Mm-hmm. And then most of the parables, many of which are about the kingdom of God, what does the kingdom of God look like, point us towards an understanding of love of God and love of neighbor and what that looks like. Yeah, I would say that's probably true. Without going back and looking at all of the parables. Right. Yeah, certainly. You know, certainly a lot of the ones that pop into your brain. Right. You know, the Good Samaritan. um, Which, naturally, that one actually comes right after he gives that greatest commandment 
right? He's being questioned by Luke, a religious authority, and he gives the greatest commandment, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbors yourself. And then the guy tries to trip him up and says, well, who's my neighbor? And that's when he gives the parable of the Good Samaritan. Mm-hmm. So those two are actually tied together. Sure. Beautifully. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some of the other, you know, I guess not really a parable, but the warnings about the, the city, all the stones being destroyed and falling down and that sort of stuff. And rebuilt within three days. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how directly that leads into love of God and love of neighbor. I'm sh- I don't think it's antithetical. Yeah. Um, to it. But yeah, I think, yeah, probably a lot of the parables tie into that idea of love of God and love of neighbor. I, just, I find, you know, that it's not necessarily a, um, memorize everything that I've said word for word and pass that along to the next person. Right. Right. It's, um, so it's much more of a, y'all get the gist, right? It's it's kind of about behavior. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. So it's about behavior. It's not necessarily about right belief or right theology per se. It's about how are you behaving in the world? How Mm -hmm. are you actually obeying these commandments to love? Are you actually doing the things? Yeah. Are you doers of the word, as James would say? Yeah. I'm thinking about um, one of the versions of one of the feeding stories, Um, you know, the loaves and fishes sort of thing. And I forget which gospel it is in. The disciples come up and say, we should probably send all these folks home because they're getting hungry and it's late so they can find something to eat. And Jesus' response is, feed them. Which is, a, that's a commandment. Right. Um, it's, not a, it's not really a teaching, I don't think. Uh, the commandment is, no, you feed them. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, so when you're talking about action and obeying the action and the behavior, then that to me is a, a connection of a, he maybe preached on lots of things while they were gathered up there and taught lots of things. The commandment that we get in that story is, now you feed him. Right. And Jesus gives that same commandment to Peter in the Gospel of John in that last story of Jesus' post-resurrection appearance. Mm-hmm. He and Peter are sitting on the beach, and Jesus says, Peter, do you love me? Mm-hmm. And Jesus and Peter responds, yeah, Christ, of course I love you. And he says, feed my lambs. Right. And then he asks him again, he says, tend my sheep, feed my sheep. Follow me. Mm-hmm. That's that's the that's the commandment, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, you know, if a person had time and an inclination, you could go back through the Gospel of Matthew because this is where that is coming from, and and pick out what are the commandments that Jesus gives. Yeah. In in the Gospel of Matthew, and I don't. One of them could be, "Get behind me, Satan." Right. I don't know which. I forget which version of the Gospel that's in, but yeah. And, and delineate between which are the, and just see what pops up from the commandments that Jesus gives in the Gospel of Matthew. Yeah.
take some time. But mm-hmm. maybe somebody's already done it. I bet somebody has. Most likely. <laughs> <laughs> it will, well, first of all, you get one of those red letter editions. Mm, then you can scan That's going to help quickly. you more quickly to just find Jesus' words. There's got to be one of those floating around here somewhere. I'm sure. I'm yeah. looking at like 16 copies of the Bible over there on that shelf. Yeah, I don't see one over there. Yeah. At any rate. <laughs> what else? I don't know, man. What? Uh, you're not even going to be here. I'm not. Uh, so I guess I'm, I'm on my own. Mm-hmm. I do think we would be a little remiss if we didn't mention this Matthew passage has a, a long history in the church uh, and encouraging folks to do mission work, right? Yeah, to share. To, to take the love of God to other folks. Uh, and sometimes that mission work has been done with great care and with great love and with great sensitivity. And sometimes that mission work has been done with not those things. Indeed. Um, and I think that, that, I think we would be remiss if we didn't acknowledge that yeah. as well within this, that within this commandment to go and make disciples of all nations. Uh, one of the Tuesday morning Bible study people said they wish that the word of was the word was in in that sentence. Mm. Go and make disciples in all nations instead of of all nations. That would change that, wouldn't it? <laughs> Significantly so. Did you go back to the Greek and look at whether or not that actually was the I correct did not. translation? No, I did not. Yeah. I trusted the fine researchers of the New Revised Standard Version. Fair enough. Anything else? I will figure something out by Sunday, I think. You think it'll preach? I think it'll preach. Yeah, I think it will. Mm-hmm. All right, well then, should we switch gears? Let's do that. Okay, what's going on? What, what, what's happening? All right, well, we're on what's, our... What's the word? We're on our summer worship schedule. Tell me what's happening. What's the buzz? Tell me what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. Which one is that from? Jesus Christ Superstar. Okay. I almost started singing it, but I stopped myself. Mm-hmm. So uh, we're on our summer worship schedule, uh, which means uh, right now our early service is on pause and there's no Christian ed hour. And so Sunday morning, uh, 1030 is when you'll come to worship here. And that will be true and through July 2nd. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so if you come early, you might get to hang out with me or Damon, but there's not going to be anything else going on at the church. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, and so this particular Sunday, we're pretty excited because we have something special happening. Uh, we will have a, as, as a significant portion of the worship service, will be a Bach cantata. Uh, they will be singing four of the five acts within a Bach cantata, movements. Oh, they, I don't know what they would be considered because they were really just for different parts of the liturgy. Correct. So I, I don't know if they would call them movements or yeah. not. But. So yeah, so Bach wrote these cantatas that could be used for worship that took up the bulk of the liturgy. So we're going to be sharing one of those on Sunday morning. We're going to have a small chamber orchestra and about a 20-voice choir. And uh, that will be the, the bulk of the worship service uh, in addition to 
course, a sermon. And it's also the first Sunday of the month, so we will serve communion. Uh, so it's going to be a good Sunday to be here. If you yeah. like uh, Bach music, mm-hmm. is that romantic? Is it Baroque? Uh, um, Baroque. Then the only reason that I know that is because I recently went to a performance of uh, uh, the St. Peter's Mass, I think is what it's called, which was by Bach. And they played period instruments. And I remember people describing them as Baroque. That's like, that's the Baroque version of a cello. Okay. And that's like, that's the Baroque version of a bass clarinet or bassoon. And then, and it's eight feet tall. It was, it was really, it was rather impressive actually, (laughs) but that's the only reason that I know that. So, but what that means, let's, let's, let's make this less specific. If you enjoy good classical music as part of your worship experience, come join us on Sunday at 1030. Uh, it's going to be great. And as I said, 1030 worship through July 2nd. No early service, no Christian at hour. So we hope you can join us. Um, but we've spent all this time and effort getting this chamber orchestra and this choir together to sing this Bach cantata. We thought, why not share this with the community? Uh, certainly we want them to come to worship on Sunday and all are welcome. But uh, we're going to go ahead and do it Saturday night as well. So there will be two times that this music is played in our sanctuary. So uh, this Saturday night, June 3rd, come at 7 o'clock. You will get to hear selections of the Bach cantata, followed by selections of some Appalachian or bluegrass music that the choir prepared and sang last week at the Pentecost service. Mm -hmm. So Saturday night, 7 p.m., Sunday morning, 10.30 a.m. St. John's Mass. Thank you. It was not the St. Peter's Mass. It was St. John's Mass. Because really, it's based on the Gospel of John. So glad you remembered that. Yep. You're pretty proud of yourself, aren't you? Well, I just... <laughs> that's, you know, that's the sort of thing a person might, might hear about. Yeah. You know? So that's, that's what's going on with worship. Uh, what about Go and Serve? Go and Serve. Uh, our high school Go and Serve trip is getting ready. We uh, disembark. Is that what it is? Embark. It's usually for ships boats. disembark. Well, you embark other people on people embark on a journey. You know what I'm saying? Well, you can embark on a ship when you get on the ship, and then you disembark when you get off the ship. But you're, you're. I thought they disembarked like from, from the dock. Disembark? No, I think it's getting on and off a ship because the Latin. I'm the one. Doing the disembarking. You'll be disembarking from the van once you get to your destination. Mm. You're going to embark onto the van and then disembark when you get to your destination. Mm -hmm. The Latin root, bark, there is that's ship. So if we do the suffix and prefix, a disembarkment would be a getting off the ship. And an embarkment would be getting on the ship. Okay. All right. Well, these things will be beginning to happen on Saturday, June 3rd. Y'all are taking off. (laughs) In the van mm-hmm. for the church mission trip on Saturday, June third. Yes, and you're driving where? We ultimate our ultimate embarkment destination <laughs> is Hazard, Kentucky. 
Uh, we're going to overnight just outside of St. Louis Saturday night, and we'll get to Hazard on Sunday. And then we'll spend most of the week in Hazard working with the Housing Development Authority in Hazard. Hazard is one of the... This will be the second time that we've been there. Last time that we were there, I assume this is still true, that Hazard was something like the eighth poorest county in the United States. Hmm. And last summer, the summer of 2022, uh, Hazard is in eastern Kentucky, and eastern Kentucky was hit really hard with flooding. If folks, it seems like it was 10 years ago, but they were hit really. So I think a lot of it, the work right now is flood housing related flood recovery okay uh sorts of efforts so yeah so we will be there um for most of the week working with the hazard housing development authority helping however we can however um yeah and yeah which is um you know one of the things that we talked about in the bible study related to these passages was how do we make how it says make disciples. Mm-hmm. How do you make disciples? By baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and by teaching them to obey everything that Jesus has commanded us. Sure. Mm-hmm. And we talked about um, modeling. Like when we think about within our own congregation, how do we make disciples? Mm-hmm. And a lot of it is just about modeling for people what, it, what we think that it looks like to be a disciple. Uh, and so hopefully we will be modeling during that week what we think that it looks like to be disciples, right? And, and to love God and to love others and to do it. Yeah. So. Cool. Yeah. So we've gone, uh, take off on Saturday. We get back on Sunday the 11th. All right. Of June. Are you doing anything fun on the trip? Uh, I think on our on Friday on our day off, we're gonna go to the Daniel Boone National Forest, okay. which is like an hour and a half from Hazard, and just kind of wander around a bit. Cool. Yeah, should be good. Anything else we should tell the good folks that are listening to the Monday check-in on Wednesday? Uh, we should just tell them that I hope that all of their embarkments and disembarkments uh, go smoothly. Indeed. I don't think so. All right. Well, should I close this with prayer? Yeah. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, you are with us when we embark. You are with us when we disembark. You are with us on the journey before and after all around us. Uh, we ask that you make your presence known. Uh, make your presence known to, uh, to our Go and Serve team as they prepare to leave on this trip to go be the hands and feet of Christ in Hazard, Kentucky. Make your presence known to those of us who aren't going, that we can support them with our prayer and our resources. Uh, Make your presence known to our congregation this Sunday as we listen to beautiful historic music from Bach. May that music uh, connect us more deeply with you and with each other, O God. And uh, may the message that is delivered from these passages be one that inspires people to, uh, to be faithful disciples and to share the love of Christ with the world. It's in Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, then, with all those things said and done, until next time, toodaloo.